Hello and welcome to Feminist Question Time, brought to you by Women's Human Rights Campaign, which is the leading global organisation defending women's sex-based rights against the threats posed by gender identity ideology. There's more information on the website womensdeclaration.com, where you will find our declaration on women's sex-based rights which has been signed by 17,803 people from 136 countries and is supported by 342 organisations. As well as signatories, we have activists. WHRC, that's Women's Human Rights Campaign, has country contacts in 37 countries across the world engaged in defending women's rights. We had great news this week from two of our countries, Spain and from Germany, where our country contacts and WHRC groups that work with them and support them have been crucial in raising concerns to parliamentarians, the press and the public. Both the Spanish and the German parliaments rejected legislative proposals for self-ID of gender identity. So we thank and congratulate the women in WHRC uh, groups in Spain and Germany, and particularly the country contacts for all the work they've done. This week, we have Charlotte Garrett from Canada. We have Vanya Martha David from Dominica. We've got Asli Tuzuna from Turkey, Anna Maria Garcia from Switzerland, and Ali Morris and Sarah Tanburn from Wales. So they're going to be talking to us about the situation on women's sex-based rights and gender identity ideology in their countries. I'm really pleased now to uh, introduce our first panelist who's Charlotte Garrett, she's from Canada. She's an educator, provincial coordinator of WHRC Canada chapter, and she's going to be talking to us about um, the Rights of the Child, Gender Identity and CEDAW Canada, um, a talk that she was going to give in March at the NGO CSW uh, conference, but was not able to because the New York NGO CSW uh, closed our booth um, just before she was able to do that. Uh, so thank you so much, Charlotte, and over to you. It's true, yes, I, I was canceled, WHRC was canceled. Um, thank you for inviting me uh, back to do this presentation. So the screen that you're seeing now is what I would have started with. So after the joy chat conversation, it seems that also during that time there were some links shared to women's human rights declaration, which I guess wasn't safe enough. So end of that. After that came surveys, um, help us urge from UN to set more inclusive and effective CSW working methods, which then included um, this comment by the chair in the newsletter, we must continue or we must unite to fight those who are consciously creating a divide and conquer strategy within civil society. No one should control our bodies or our destinies. I find that to be a rather ironic statement considering that the WHRC booth was closed. The survey questions that came out were all about identity. So first, um, gender identity, no sex questions. And then to race identity, which is now entirely up for grabs. And then included in the newsletter was the share your gender equality story. That was um, a call for civil society, which included 
at generation equality, which I will mention in a moment. So the Generation Equality Forum is a civil society-centered global gathering um, for gender equality in Mexico and France this year. Its actions um, mainly are transformative actions to achieve immediate and irreversible progress towards gender equality. Big question marks there as to what that will mean, or maybe not. <laughs> Um, then in what I was going to talk about, does CEDAW Canada support girls and women? So um, I also was bringing in at that point, the fact that the Declaration for Women's Human Rights campaign is sex-based. It's about the language to support girls and women. So the rights of girls, I would say beyond the, the ones that we take for granted are to speak to her truest experience as she begins to formulate her internal authority, her voice, um, to be in her being. She is a girl, the sex-based class into which she is born, not assigned. Um, the right to private female sex-based spaces and to all those spaces created by her mother, her mother's mother and the mothers before her uh, who fought in her name to the right to an indoctrination-free education, to form an opinion based on evidence-based science, and essentially, importantly, to accurately name an offender using sex-based language. 1981 is when Canada adopted CEDAW, the Committee to Eliminate Discrimin against, Discrimination Against Women. Article one, the term discrimination against women shall mean any distinction, exclusion, or a restriction made on the basis of sex. And then followed by the CEDAW implementation came the 1982 Charter of Rights, which is sex-based. So we have CEDAW, sex-based rights, and then we have the, the uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So it looked like Canada was on a very good track. But then language shift um, was under the radar in 2005, um, the then president of the Canadian Teachers Federation stated, history has shown that bisexual, gay, lesbian, trans identified and two-spirited persons have been among the minority groups have been harshly treated because of their sexual orientation and gender identity. Of course, this is a false narrative. And at that point, Canada is on its way to its re-education program through education. Um, in 2009 and again in 2012, there are major curriculum changes and legislative changes, which I'm not going to explain all of them, except that it's about creating safe spaces, which of course is absolutely vital and then followed by curriculum. Um, in Canada had to give their report in 2015 to CEDAW so it, the, the eighth and ninth periodic reports said that they had doubled all, to almost 19 million the funding that they were providing to end violence against women and girls, improve women and girls economic security, um, encouraging women and girls in leadership and decision making, and to have more women on boards. The 2015 report claims to be implementing the 1982 charter, and I think in fact they did, which is 
um, sex-based rights and totally essential, of course. But then in 2016 is when uh, the Bill 16 was brought into force and the Toronto Star said in a glorious display of Canada at its finest, Bill C-16 will amend the Human Rights Act and the Criminal Code to ban discrimination against people based on gender identity or expression. And the image that came with that editorial was a bathroom and then the image, we don't care. So bravo for the Toronto Star. In 2016, um, all of the provinces and territories had adopted um, human rights acts for gender and gender expression. Um, minus three, which by 2017, they all had amended their codes. And then in 2016, the CEDAW committee came back to Canada with their recommendations based on their eighth and ninth report, and which included advice on how to structure the inquiry into murdered and missing Indigenous women, which is a crisis in Canada. And to their credit, Canada did address this but also a stronger regulation of corporations and measures for women's victims access to justice. So for indigenous women at home and overseas, and Canada has the largest mining footprint in the world. So they are very disruptive in many, many countries which creates tremendous problems for families and especially the children. There was re no recourse for people to come to court in Canada over the transnational disasters. That has changed, it's just now beginning this year. The numerous recommendations and some scathing comments included the closure of 12 out of 16 Status of Women Canada regional offices, which limited women's access, as well as uh, not mentioned here, but what has occurred also across the country is a closing of many bus services especially those going to rural areas, which means access to shelters and trees tremendously limited. So what happened, Status of Women Canada was closed and archived. Not only was it not available, that you had to go and look for the archived website. So Status of Canada was formed 1976, essential to Canada. And those of us who grew up, um, coming into 1976 when this happened is we welcomed it because it allowed women's voices for the first time in a much more um, clear and supportive manner across the country. So there's that shut door slammed. And a new agency was formed. Actually, it's a department, a federal department called um, Women and Gender Equity or Equality Canada. Please note that their number one mandate is to advance equality with respect to sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, expression, including all genders, including women. Terrifying. And then what, what is happening with children's rights then? They're so eroded. So by 2020 and 2021, educational recommendations and curriculum was infiltrating the whole country. And um, this year a father was jailed for refusing to play the gender game, didn't want to call his daughter a son. Uh, Stats Canada issued their new census in which they decided to scrap facts for ideology. And then Bill C-10 is, is now in process and we 
call it the forget about free speech bill. So Canada is captured. So women and gender equality are received 15 million for 76 capacity building projects, which I'm not going to go through in detail. I'll just show you that there are 76 and there's a tremendous amount of money going to especially transgender organizations. So national organizations and then um, the Eastern coast through the Quebec region into Ontario, tremendous amount of resources there. The Prairie region, the Pacific region, which is the West Coast and the Northern region. The other thing that um, gender equality did is create a um, education site so it's introduction to GBA. And my favorite is you can take this course and number two in the course is moving beyond sex and gender. Isn't that exciting? Moving beyond sex and gender. So this is the um, analysis plus. So it's the new revised edition. And then Canadian Teachers Federation formed a new organization called Femme Lead Femme. And this is um, CODA here, while the terms women and men are used throughout this document website, the Canadian Teachers Federation understands women to mean people who identify as women. So um, the status of Women Canada is long gone and in its place are organizations such as this where it's about identity. So the language has shifted tremendously from 2016 to now. So just briefly, the efforts in 2016 around um, language was to reinforce women's rights and to allow access to all women. This did not mean men, it meant women. By 2021, there is um, a training session happening in Toronto um, where the activities are focused around identity and intersexuality, or sorry, uh, intersectionality, not um, sex-based rights at all. Then if we just look at what is actually happening in Canada, the violence is tremendous. And every two and a half days, a woman or a girl is murdered. And this isn't new. The number has remained relatively stable over the last number of years. We don't have the 2021 facts yet, but as you can see, it's a fairly stable horror story. The violence, um, if we just look at the facts, 67% of Canadians know a woman who has experienced physical or sexual abuse. That number is actually higher. I don't know how they got that 67%. However, um, I know for actually a woman who was murdered because her husband didn't like the fact that she wanted a divorce, he smothered her with a pillow. Um, I, don't, I know so many women who have been abused. Six times Indigenous women are killed at six times the rate of non-Indigenous women. And this is the part that bothers me tremendously is 6,000 women and children sleep in shelters on any given night because it isn't safe at home. But now we know that shelters 
will also accommodate men. And so now women are feeling not just unsafe at home, but what happens when they go to a shelter and they no longer feel safe there. In fact, women have left shelters in Canada because they didn't agree and they were asked to leave, not the men, the women. So the three areas that CEDAW Canada pledged to focus upon was ending violence against women and girls. We see that has not happened. Improving women's and girls' economic security and prosperity. No. Encouraging women and girls in leadership and decision-making roles. Well, the area that especially took that on was the Canadian Teachers Federation um, for women who identify as, or men who identify as women are being assisted in leadership roles. And then um, finally, I want to say that what has happened is that the language change is so profound that the verb to be has been deconstructed and in wokeness decolonized. So that I am a girl, well, maybe, maybe not. So material reality is destabilized. The body mind is severely disturbed at the same time as the world is destabilized. And 80,000 displaced people 26, sorry, 80, 80 million and 26 million refugees. Now it was just, I think five years ago, 65 million displaced people. So the numbers of, are just exploding with crises around the world. And this includes, of course, children. And we're gonna now talk to Asli Tosuna from Turkey. She's assistant professor in communication faculty at in Maltepe University, Istanbul planning research into cancel culture. So Asli, could, could welcome, and it's fantastic to have you on. Could you tell us something about the situation with gender identity in Turkey and how did you realize it was a threat to women and girls and who's promoting or opposing it? Now, uh, there have always been uh, debates on the exclusion or inclusion of trans people within the feminist movement in Turkey. Uh, however, um, now, um, the, the new um, discussions and language is a little different from past. Uh, so I can say that the recent rise of gender identity activism in the West has been reflected here in its new terms in the last few years. And translational foreign articles, of course, were very effective in bringing these discussions here. And LGBT organizations have included this issue uh, on, on their web page. So um, they, uh, they, they follow and they um, give place to these uh, politics in their circles um, uh, in the last 10 years, I can say. Um, but the issue has been brought to the agenda of many feminists due to the reflection of these discussions on social media. And these discussions sparkled uh, uh, after um, a few uh, gender critical academicians um, posted some comments about the, this uh, situation in uh, Western countries, uh, about this new gender identity ideology in 2018 and in, I think, 2019, they posted comments about it. And after they uh, posted these comments, uh, many LGBT organizations published statements and declarations against them. 
some opposing articles have been published in uh, alternate media. These academics um, have been accused of being transphobic and called as terms, uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. Over time, a large of number of gender critical people began to be labeled as terms, including me. <laughs> and there were even those um, people who prepared uh, tariff lists on social media. Uh, these people uh, also uh, started to put uh, pressure on many groups and organizations uh, which organize events related to feminism or LGBT. Uh, so they, they try to prevent from uh, the people who call terms to speak uh, on these issues and um, uh, they try to put censorship on them also. In addition, um, social media discussions on the subject, in addition to them, Many messages such as insults, hate speech, threats of violence against so-called terror people were posted on social media too. Also further, um, there is an award uh, which is called genetically modified tomato awards, which is given to homophobic and uh, transphobic people or institutions annually by Istanbul Pride Committee. People vote for candidates in various categories on the grounds that they are homophobic or trans transphobic. Uh, last year in 2025, feminist academicians and writers were nominated for a, a transphobic special award alongside uh, GK Rowling. Uh, however, so th this is the general uh, situation about gender identity politics in Turkey. I briefly uh, explained them. However, these discussions, uh, which mostly focused on language and definitions, remain quite absurd compared to the traits faced by women and LGBT individuals in this country. Uh, President Erdogan decided to withdraw Turkey from Istanbul Convention. Hundreds of women, including trans women, are killed by men every year. So there's an ongoing femicide in Turkey. And also uh, hate speech and discrimination against LGBT individuals are on the rise, uh, worse than before, before. For example, there have been a demonstration in Boğaziçi University. Uh, LGBT protesters were also in those uh, demonstrations. Uh, they were protesting against the rector appointed by Erdogan. Uh, and uh, these people, LGBT protesters, were identified as terrorists. And they are tried to be criminalized in the eyes of the public. And uh, so I can say that we have very serious problems. And uh, gender identity politics are not on the agenda of most women in, in Turkey. Uh, these concepts are important from West, are uh, unfamiliar to many people. So when you um, when you talk, when you ask someone in the street uh, and say that them is what cisgender is, probably most of the people uh, don't know, won't know what it's about. 
And also these debates uh, do not even take place in mainstream media or it's not even in the agenda of mainstream politics. So therefore I can say, uh, of course, this is my observation also, this issue is mostly handled by feminist and LGBT circles in Turkey. And it's also been discussed in some prestigious university campuses. And uh, it appears from time to time in the left-wing newspapers. What then affects women's lives mostly in your country? And what, where does your government stand in terms of women's rights? What's, what's their position on the women's sex-based rights? The, the femicide is our agenda for a long time uh, because um, government and other, um, other institutions are not um, uh, doing anything uh, for it. So there are many organizations uh, working about it. And um, of course, these femicides mostly uh, foc- mostly they are based on uh, patriarchal discourses. Uh, the the killed uh, women are mostly women are mostly killed, uh, especially a, a high percentage of them are killed because they they uh, want to divorce from their husbands or they want to separate uh, from their uh, boyfriends. And, uh, but this traditional family structure is still strong in Turkey. And unfortunately, the, the government, um, this conservative and Islamic government, they are mostly giving importance uh, on uh, family, the traditional family values. So they are trying, they are using the discourse uh, which says uh, the rights of uh, women, individual rights of women and LGBT people are a threat to the traditional family, Turkish family. Are you in a feminist organization or working on sort of feminist feminist issues in your in your work? Could you tell us about that? Uh, I'm not a part of a feminist organization. Uh, I'm I'm personally interested in and. Uh, researching about uh, uh, feminism and gender issues. Uh, but in my university, uh, I'm part of a, a women's uh, a research center. But I, even there, I can say that this gender identity politics is not our issue. Uh, we are mostly uh, uh, studying or uh, trying to change some uh, rules on uh, sexual assault in campus, university campus. So we are mostly focused on this kind of problems which young women are uh, being exposed to. How's that going? Is that work uh, succeeding in Turkey? Are you, do you have support from the young women in campuses and from academics? Well, of course, uh, academics and young uh, women are, of course, uh, supporting, but it's hard with university um, uh, managers. I mean, especially I'm in uh, working in a private private university, not a a state university. And uh, most of the university is now trying to get well with government. So, for example, uh, we have to. We couldn't put this center's name uh, as 
gender studies or something, uh, because the head of the uh, university's uh, institutions uh, in Turkey, now I don't remember his English name, uh, he, he say that, uh, he give a speech and said that there's no such a thing as gender. And uh, so we had to put our name as Women and Family Center, uh, Studies Center, something like that. So there's a pressure on universities and, and we try to uh, be difficult to take action and we try to be difficult on our language use for not to get too much attention. Asli, do you think things are getting better for women or worse in Turkey? I know that's difficult, but... I think it's getting worse. Yes. Yeah. Why is that? Mm, well, because of the ideology of these governments. Because they are trying to bring back the very old kind of um, uh, values which feminists feminist and women have been struggling for a long time in Turkey and they, uh, and they gain many valuable things. But now this government is trying to go to the past, go to the history. Uh, and they, they have that, um, that funny vision of uh, reviving the Ottoman, uh, uh, Ottoman uh, nature and um, history. So they have a vision like that. So we're going to now move on to Anna Maria Garcia. She's in Switzerland and she's the country contact for Switzerland for Women's Human Rights Campaign. She's going to give us about a 10 minute report on the French language webinar and the plans for the future French language networking um, for uh, Women's Human Rights Campaign and also the, the women's sex based rights. So welcome Anna Maria and over to you. Thanks for the opportunity to tell women around the world about our first WHRC French webinar that took place last month of April. Um, the full session now is available on the WHRC YouTube channel. So if any of you speaks French or have friends that does it, please feel free to watch it or, or share it with them and pass it on. Um, what we did was to put together women from three different continents, from America, from Africa, and Europe. And we worked together to present the Declaration of uh, Women's uh, Sex-Based Rights. So we explained the nine different articles, uh, one by one, by different women of countries like France, uh, Canada, the, the, the French region of, of Quebec, uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo and Switzerland. And we would love to have more French speaking countries. And I would like to take the opportunity to reach out to any woman that would like to join us. Um, women from Belgium, uh, Luxembourg, Monaco, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, um, Mauritius, Reunion, Senegal, Gabon, French Guiana, Martinique, uh, Haiti, French Polynesia, I, and others. I don't want to list all of them, but it's many French-speaking countries that please feel free to tell your friends or any woman living on these countries to sign the declaration and get in contact with us. 
um, for both things to follow the next webinars and or participate and collaborate with us. And we believe uh, it's very important to reach as many women as possible in every corner of the world. And adding the French webinars every month will be an amazing way to spread what is going on. And like right now with these weekly webinars of WHLC in English, do something similar uh, in French and like this to be in contact with our sisters. We are extremely happy of having this opportunity of starting the French uh, webinars and uh, give access to the information and, and doing it uh, every, the, the frequency, it's gonna be every first Sunday of uh, the month. Uh, so we will start on June 6th at 6 p.m. Uh, Paris time. And we will have uh, from that day, the French webinars from now going on. Um, the next webinar for the one on June 6th that we are working on is uh, to give an overview on the self-ID legislation in each country. Uh, right now, Canada, France, Belgium, and Switzerland so far are involved preparing this next webinar. And we would love to have as many uh, well, other women uh, from other countries involved. Um, so what we want to do in this next webinar is uh, to explain, for example, in Switzerland, um, the self-identity law just passed last month uh, of April, and but with no opposition, was practically no repercussion on the media, with obviously no debate at all. And, and the most important, without the knowledge of the majority of the population that and, and knowing what this law uh, means and not knowing the danger or the repercussions that this will have for women. So working together with our sisters from other French speaking countries where similar laws already passed as we were seeing uh, in, in Canada before at the beginning of, of this webinar and broadcasting the situations that they already are suffering will help us to understand and to know what we need to do. And all of this obviously speaking in, in, in French. Um, the next one for July that we will do next uh, will be about the lesbians organizations and how are they being targeted. And also, um, I take the opportunity again to reach all of you and ask you to contact us in case you are interested in to participate. Um, another webinar that I can say we will work is uh, about the prisons problem and the case of uh, that happened in Toulouse in France uh, very recently that a man is moving, it's being moved into a woman's prison. Now we're going to go to Ali Morris and Sarah Tanburn. They're both from Wales. Ali Morris is a feminist activist and campaigner, specialist violence against, in violence against women, domestic abuse and sexual violence trainer and consultant. She's a member of Mafid Kumri. And Sarah Tanburn is a writer, activist, policy advisor and co-founder of LGB Alliance Cymru. So uh, thank you so much and over to you. We're from two organisations here in Wales, but the two work very closely. We're going to say a bit about that. Um, what we're going to do is cover 
these five headings, uh, a bit about the background uh, and how we got here. Um, and as we've heard from others, the eradication of the boundaries and rights and safety of women and of LGB people. Uh, we've been really busy over the last few months and including some very rapid responses to bits of policy and events. We wanted to say a bit about what we've learned so far and how we're building our campaigning uh, and how therefore we came into being and then finally a few thoughts on what we're going to do next. So uh, as a little bit of context, um, Wales is quite a small country uh, geographically and uh, in population terms, uh, we only have 3.1 million population. Um, very importantly, to answer somebody's question in the chat, Wales is not England, uh, and that might sound really obvious, but you'd be amazed how many people think that um, actually Wales is just a little bit of England. Because we have a devolved government, that means that quite a lot of things are decided in Cardiff, our capital, uh, and not in London. And it thinks of itself as a socialist country uh, and I'll come back to that in a moment. And we have a small government. Uh, our number of elected representatives is quite small per head. There are some important implications of uh, those, those contextual facts. Uh, who's in and who's not really matters here in Wales. Uh, sometimes that's just presented as cronyism, but it does mean there are strengths in the fact that lots of people know each other and are closely connected but there are also weaknesses and if you're not at the table if you don't know the right people it's very difficult to then become part of the conversations uh, and being Wales there are some additional risks of speaking out and I think that other women have touched on a couple of those if you're a lesbian if you live in a rural country in a rural part of the country if you're a woman of colour, the issues of isolation, of uh, losing your work and so on become increased because everybody knows who you are and what your views are. Uh, there's a big drive in Wales to be different, to separate uh, ourselves from uh, the English government in London and because of seeing ourselves as socialist to very strongly differentiate ourselves from the conservative government at Westminster uh, and that we'll, we'll also talk a little bit about that. That difference is going to drive gender extremism here in Wales uh, and therefore matters quite a lot because uh, gender issues have become so aligned with being progressive that it's quite difficult to disentangle them uh, and, and, and that really matters. Uh, and one of those issues is that at the moment, education, health, policing, things that really matter to us as women and as lesbians, gays and bisexuals who care about the reality of sex, they're all devolved to, to Cardiff, to Wales and to our government. The big framework of equalities in the United Kingdom, which is the Equality Act 2010, on which the sex-based rights of women are founded and, and coded, 
that is not devolved, but there is a big drive to see that devolved into Wales uh, in this new Senate. Uh, and uh, because the Senate, our Welsh Parliament, it's called the Senate, is small, there's relatively little scrutiny and debate uh, of legislation. And what that helps is this problem that other people have talked about of massive institutional capture, that certain organisations promoting gender identity, promoting gender over sex, are being treated almost as part of government. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more in a moment. So uh, we see a, a real problem that they're being treated as consultants and we find it very difficult to get them to think about uh, different views from women and from lesbians, gays and bisexual people. Wales has a long history of political and community activism where during times of hardship, women have actually played a vital role in showing support, whatever that cause is. So women have led the way for direct action in many of the campaigns, including Welsh language campaigns, political campaigns, and other things. So some of the key events that we have seen women involved in have been Green and Common, for example. So while in 1981, a group of women and children set off from Cardiff to walk the 120 miles to the airbase to fight for peace in the shadow of the nuclear arms race, they ended up setting up camp at the airbase for nearly 20 years. But the first ever female anti-war protest took place nearly 100 years ago in 1923. So when the miners' strike took place in 1984 to 1985, women protested alongside their husbands and their fathers and were key to setting up the soup kitchens and the fundraising events that maintained the families and the communities throughout that strike. And we saw during this that gay and lesbian groups actually became great allies during that time. So as Sarah mentioned, the political landscape in Wales has historically been socialist, with Labour dominating the share of the vote since the 1920s. So what we find here in Wales is a general belief um, in trust in our socialist government and a disbelief in them working against their own people. In 2010, government data revealed that in England and Wales together, 300,000 women were sexually assaulted and 60,000 women were raped. So at that time, Wales had a network of rape crisis centres, helplines, women's centres, local groups that knew the women in their communities. But today, what we are seeing is that many of those services have now disappeared or forced to diversify to include men or men that identify as women. So there are increasing concerns over our loss of women-only space. This is especially concerning in terms of lesbian space. This is happening due to a combination of things. It could be funders withdrawing or limiting their funding due to not prioritizing or recognizing the value of women-only spaces. And also funders withdrawing their funding when women refuse to open up their spaces to men who identify as women. So in my own city, for example, we had one of only two women's centres in the whole of the country that served a huge geographical area 
and ran many classes and projects in a safe women-only space. It also served as the base for a regional lesbian group and a women's refugee project. The local council who had paid our rent for over 40 years refused to pay it any longer. As a new building for people experiencing violence against women, domestic abuse and sexual violence was due to open in the city. I was a long standing trustee of that women's centre, but as part of my paid employment for the council, I was the one responsible for obtaining the original funding and setting up of the new building. This new building was only open to women who had experience of violence and abuse. So it couldn't be used as a general women only space or for events or for campaigns or for the well-established lesbian group. More importantly, the new building was open to all, male and female, so it was no longer a women-only safe space. This to me was a devastating blow, but Welsh Government, who had funded the purchase of the building, had made this crystal clear. So during its first year, we saw over 600 women access the service, but only three men and no trans women. During the following five years, we only ever saw eight men at the most per year and no trans women. So was the loss of a potential women-only space really worth it for that? So across Wales, we were seeing well-established women's groups being taken over by trans ideologies. Personally, after 12 years as a member of the board for a specialist women's sector organisation that ran refuges and other services in my city, I left due to my voice being constantly ignored and silenced. The organisation was too scared to, review, to refuse trans women due to their fear of losing their funding and of being seen as anti-trans. But what fears the women in the refuge had clearly didn't raise any concerns. So in 2018, this came to a head when a Women's Place UK was due to hold a meeting in Cardiff. Trans activists harassed the venue to the point that the meeting was subsequently cancelled. Another venue was found and the meeting went ahead. But what it showed was how the increasing aggression and abuse was actually curtailing the lives of women and imposing conditions on how they should think and behave. So the negative impact of gender ideology was becoming clearer with an increased awareness amongst the public and women in particular. So it was around this time um, that the UK government proposed a new Gender Recognition Act, which became the tipping point for many people watching all this unfold before their eyes. The act would threaten the essential and core identity of women. Under the Act, anyone who felt that they were not the gender they'd acquired at birth could self-identify as the opposite gender. So this would allow for any person of male biological sex to self-identify as a woman. And from that point be recognized as such, recognized as a woman, not a trans woman. So this would have meant that trans women would have the right to access single sex services in line with their newly acquired gender and be recognized as a woman in all aspects. 
of life, including arenas where correct data collection and analysis is vital, such as health and the criminal justice system, for example. They would not be required to obtain a gender recognition certificate or have undergone any form of medical intervention for this to take place. The campaigning around this proposed act by grassroots women's groups and thousands of individual women literally saved our sex as the Gender Recognition Act was eventually put on hold and didn't go ahead. But we were seeing a range of policies and toolkits being developed that talked about trans inclusivity. But in reality, what that meant was the exclusion of women and girls. Some of these included a trans inclusion school kit and Welsh, um, Welsh government's trans action plan. Both advocated for self ID, but neither undertook an equality impact assessment, which is a legal requirement to look at the impact on women and girls. So with the ever growing fight and campaigning around this issue, all the usual channels were used to get our messages across. We wrote letters, we leafleted, we ran campaigns and much, much more. Many women and groups had made political connections and had used these as far as they could go. So we had come to an impasse. Long-standing, well-known feminists who were instrumental in earlier campaigns in the 1970s and 1980s were now part of the political establishment, but were no longer allies and had also been captured by the trans ideology. So in Wales, we were in the position where the political landscape alongside major Welsh women's charities have been captured by, is now, by now what is now called Stonewall Law. So Stonewall are an LGBT plus lobbying organisation that now has its feet firmly in Welsh government and hundreds more organisations, universities and public bodies. Although they're an LGBT group, what we are seeing of late is that they've become primarily a trans lobbying group and they've become the consulting body on equality and diversity that Welsh public bodies and organisations approach to the exclusion of all other groups, including ours, Merched Cymru. In essence, they've become the most peaceful Welsh government, but they are so pervasive that their influence is now called Stonewall Law. So what we are seeing is the manipulation of public policy under a formula that they want the law around trans to be. They create policy around this ideal and then proclaim that this is in fact law of the land. They conflate sex with gender, which is now common practice as others have mentioned earlier, and are vocal in the fact that they actually want to see sex abolished as a protected characteristic under equality law to be replaced by gender. Stonewall have their showcase diversity champion scheme where organizations can sign up to this at a cost of course, and then become another mouthpiece for their ill-conceived ideology. However, we have recently seen a number of high profile cases where Stonewall has been challenged in court and where their version of quality law has been proven to be legally inaccurate. The extent of Stonewall capture is widespread and includes all areas of life. Welsh government and others who rely on Stonewall as their equality experts and believe this ideology are in fact opening themselves up to a possible legal challenge and irreputable damage.
So on International Women's Day last year, a number of local feminist groups put T-shirts bearing female slogans on statues throughout Wales. And it was at this point that there was a realization that there needed to be a more formalized mechanism for women to come together and establish a more coordinated approach to activism. So where are we now? What happened? Well, that formal action group emerged as Merched Cymru, closely followed by the setting up of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual Alliance Cymru. So setting up Merched Cymru has served two purposes. Firstly, to highlight fundamental problems as we see them. And secondly, we publicise that women in Wales will not sit back and do nothing while their sex is being eroded and women are a class are erased. So we have a website with a range of resources, blogs and information. We have a Facebook page which reached nearly 4,000 people during our election week campaign and we have over a thousand Twitter followers. So we've connected with other groups across the UK um, and I'd really like to say a huge thank you at this point to LGB Alliance and for Women Scotland for all the help and support that they've given us especially during our election campaign. We've taken part in consultations and campaigns around the Equality Act, the Census, and of course, the Welsh election. And we are continually holding politicians and organizations to account and informing them on issues such as conversion therapy. Then they have no defense to say that they didn't know what was happening. So who would have thought that after 100 years after the suffragettes, we continue to have to assert our right to political and social freedoms? While sexism persists, single sex spaces must be supported for those that need them. So who would argue that it wouldn't be reasonable for refugees and rape crisis centres to choose to be single sex? Who would argue that the intimate care needs of older women, those with disabilities, shouldn't be un um, whose care shouldn't be undertaken by a same sex carer? Who would argue that groups set up around race, religion and belief shouldn't have the right to be single sex for modesty and dignity? And who would argue that lesbians, who are by definition attracted to others of the same sex, shouldn't be afforded same sex space? And I could go on and on. So I've spent my whole adult life fighting for the rights of women and girls. But who would have thought that we'd ever get to the point where we would have to fight for the very word that defines us, which is woman? Thanks to the Stonewall capture that Alice talked about, we've seen a lot of silencing. Um, I'm just going to give a, an example uh, of the online hustings that happened during the elections here 16 days ago and what happened in chat rooms. Just two examples among many. A lesbian who runs a small business in a male dominated sector wanted to ask about women's employment. Another disclosed her experience as an FGM, a female genital mutilation survivor, asked about sex-based rights. Both of those women were thrown out of events which were being run by quangos set up to support women in Wales without any further discussion. I should say that both LGB Alliance Cymru and Merche Cymru are furious about that and a lot of complaints are now going ongoing. But therefore, for both organisations and, and others, speaking out is really important, whether that's on social media, through events and networks, press coverage, answering policy consultations, 
our core objective at the moment is to be at the table and, and not on the menu, as I've said here, because even that is, being, is proving difficult. As a result, gender critical to, uh, positions defending the reality of sex are simply not being taken into account, particularly in the light of that institutional capture. But we are also building new alliances beyond the traditional alliance uh, alignments. So we're talking to conservatives, which for many women campaigning for women's rights in Wales has not been an historic relationship. Uh, we're challenging uh, big sections of the nationalist movement here in Wales, and hence building all these new relationships. Alice mentioned our great new website at Merche Cymru, uh, merchecymru.wales, I'll be putting that up in a moment. At LGB Alliance Cymru, we make the most of that site and also the LGB Alliance UK website, rather than doubling up. And using all that and our membership, which is growing fast, we've been reviewing, for example, all the local authorities in Wales for their recognition of sex. And so we're creating an interactive map for our website so people can focus <coughs> their efforts. Uh, and we're picking our battles. We know as gender critical activists in Wales that we can't do everything and we're really keen to choose our ground. So we're particularly interested in talking about education, uh, the curriculum. We have a new curriculum coming in in Wales, which is gender to the max uh, and school design, because of course we talk about toilets. Uh, we want to talk about health, which is very important to our members in LGB Alliance uh, around women only provision and about stopping the forcible transition of teenagers through affirmation. We're talking about sex-based legal rights and we're talking about the action plan that the government has proposed to bring forward around LGBT issues. We could talk about lots of other things. Concussion in women's rugby, the language used in public health and so on, but we want to win the battles we pick. So any women in Wales or beyond, any lesbians or gay men watching, we need people for all sorts of activities and I would emphasize that we are very, very careful to protect the identity of our members. We do not expect anyone to put their heads above the parapet if they are in serious danger of damage as a result. Uh, so please sign up for, go to Mecha Cymru Wales, sign up for the, uh, the newsletter and have a good look at the resources on lgballiance.org.uk. Follow us both on Twitter, we're both quite busy, we do lots. Send us uh, direct messages, get in touch. Uh, Merca Cymru has uh, set up a donation system and that will be live in the next week or so. Uh, and that's always welcome to help support the website, if nothing else. And as we've said here, make more noise. The more noise that we can make about this issue, the better. So I'm going to stop there. Thank you very much for listening. And stay safe wherever you are.